hey, have you checked out my free masterclass from page one to done? Write your novel or memoir in five truly simple steps. Because if you haven't, you need to. You can watch it right now. You don't have to wait, or you can listen to this podcast episode and then watch it. It is at maryadkinswriter.com forward slash masterclass. That's Mary Adkins with a D like donut and writer like a person who writes, not a person on a horse, forward slash masterclass. It is an hour. It is on demand. So you can watch it whenever you sign up for it and have an hour. And let me know what you think. I would love to hear from you. Welcome to season two of the First Draft Club. I'm your host, Mary Adkins. I'm an author and writing coach. You can find my novels, When You Read This and Privilege, in your favorite bookstore. And my next novel, Palm Beach, will be out next summer. So stay tuned for news about that. I also have a two and a half year old named Finn. And so if you hear background noise during this episode or any episode, that's probably why. I do my best to curb it. I'm in my closet, for example. Um, But, you know, sound carries, especially when they're sounds made by... Uh, an amazing and very loud toddler. If you tuned in for any of season one, you know that the way that this podcast works is I take a question from my weekly word shop with my students um, and I bring it to the podcast to answer it on the air. And that's going to be how season two works as well, because I got great feedback from season one. I'm really glad that people are enjoying it. I'm enjoying making it. I really like this format. And so we're just going to keep going. This week's question reads, Dear Mary, I've noticed that quite a few writers when they finish the first draft have a lot of revising to do. It's a huge milestone and probably the biggest hurdle to get the first draft finished, I realize. But can you share tips on how to write a fairly solid first draft so that the revision process doesn't take a very long time or require a ton of reworking the material? There are so many roads and paths to completion and no one way, I realize, but I'm interested in tips to get down a pretty solid first draft. Okay, I know I've talked about this before. But once again, I will tell you that when I wrote my first novel, when you read this, I wrote it about 10 times, meaning I revised it about 10 times. And usually when I tell the story, I talk about how I didn't know how to write a novel yet, and I didn't yet know how to trust my own vision, and how combined these things led me into, you know, a lot of trial and error that that took a period of years. But in this episode, I want to get more specific for a second, which I haven't done before in telling this story. Because when I look back, I now see what was wrong with, with those first four or five drafts, um, which, which I couldn't see back then. Those first few drafts of my novel had a story problem, a big story problem, which is that one of my main characters, it was Smith, who's 
whose arc really needed to drive the story because he was essentially the the protagonist in the present world of the story. There, there's a present version, there's sort of a present world in the story and a past world in the story. And he's he's really the protagonist of the present world of the story. And Smith didn't yet have a strong enough want and a strong enough need. If your protagonist doesn't have a strong enough want and a strong enough need, your story isn't going to have that essential drive that that it needs to work from, from page one to the last page. A strong enough want is just what it sounds like. It's something the character wants. What's really important to understand is that this is not what the character needs. Because no one wants to read a story where, you know, I want to run a marathon. I do run a marathon. I celebrate running a marathon. That's not interesting. We want to read a story in which I want to run a marathon because I think it will make me like myself. But what I learn is that running a marathon can't do that. And what I need to do is understand that my value isn't dependent on my accomplishments, right? Like, in other words, if, you're, if your characters want and need a line, they're like 99% of the way there. <laughs> <laughs> and there isn't much of a story left over in that 1%. It's like reading a story about someone who wants to become a bodybuilder when he's already like the most fit person you've ever met in your life and he just needs to work out for a couple more weeks <laughs> versus reading a story about someone who you know can't even find the energy to get up off the couch. So your character needs a want and they must also have a different need that they don't recognize. And by the end of the story, they'll recognize it at least a little bit. They'll be closer to understanding an essential truth. You don't need to know what that need is when you start writing. I, I often don't. That's something I often discover along the way while I'm drafting. I think if I try to impose that need on the character initially, um, one, it feels like a ton of pressure, and two, it can feel contrived. But you do want to know what the character's want is. You do want to have that in mind when you start. And the want can change. Um, they can, you know, at the beginning of the book, the character can want to quit their job. And by chapter four, they can have quit it. And then they have a new want. Like the want can change. That's fine. But you do want to start your draft. with. You want to start the story with a clear, unsatisfied want that the main character or protagonist is you know, harboring. And then by the end of the draft, you should know what the character's need is and you should have addressed that in some way. If you do these things, if you, if you are mindful of the want and the need, your first draft will have a solid character arc and revising will be much, much easier. Instead of dealing with this problem back in the day, um, because I didn't know that I had it, I took classes on everything else. I worked on my sentences. I worked on character descriptions. I, I worked my writing to death. And all of it did improve my writing. Like, I don't, I don't regret that work, but it didn't solve this fundamental story problem. Sometimes I'll get a draft from someone I'm working with and I can tell that they've put so much work into it. The writing is really carefully considered. They have fun scenes. It's clever. Their language is rich. But I'll reach page 15 and then page 30 and then page 75. And I, I'm just thinking, 
Why is this a story? Where is this going? And listen, I I actually hate the quote, why this story? Why now? Oh my gosh, I hate that quote. There's nothing that shuts me down faster than that. Or some other botched paraphrase of David Mamet's or someone. (laughs) I am not telling you that you need to justify your book's reason for being. (laughs) Okay, because there's nothing that feels like more pressure than that to me. You don't need to justify your books, your future books reason for being to me or to yourself or to anybody else. If you're writing a book just for the hell of it, or just because you're quarantined for the third time this year and you need something to do, (laughs) or because you want to write a really fun thriller or a mystery, great. I think any reason to write a book is a good enough reason to write a book. I love reasons that are not something grandiose and, you know, super self-serious. But the thing is, your story still needs to go somewhere. And the way you make the story go somewhere is to give your protagonist something they want and something they need. And these are different things. And over the course of the story, that difference will become more clear to them. A story leads to a change in perspective. Yes, there are other kinds of story structures. I don't teach those because I don't know them. And often they're harder to pull off and they're harder to sell in America. Whereas if you stick with this principle, it's much easier to write a good story that readers will find engaging and and meaningful, like and ultimately meaningful. And I know some of you are working on genre fiction, like a thriller or like a murder mystery or like a romance. I still think this principle applies. I I get this question a lot and I, I think about it a lot. I still think this principle applies because while as a reader, we are really interested in finding out who who the murderer is or finding out how the character died or finding out if the two people are gonna get together, the reason we're interested in those outcomes is because some character in the book has a has an emotional stake in that outcome that runs deeper than just the facts on paper. So, you know, I while in genre fiction I get that there is there is this built-in plot that is designed to create the suspense and the hook and the engagement. The way you the way you customize that the way you make it your own and enrich it and give it depth is to ask these more fundamental character questions of the characters in your book, even if you have that additional propeller of plot that's driving it forward. It's only going to make your book better to actually answer these questions for yourself and for your characters. All right, that's all for this week. Happy writing and I'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to the First Draft Club. Subscribe and leave a review and I will adore you forever. And if you want to submit your own questions and attend these sessions live, you can join our community of authors by going to maryadkinswriter.com. That's Adkins with a D, like donut. And if you want to attend my free masterclass on how to finish your book in five simple steps, just go to maryadkinswriter.com slash masterclass. That's maryadkinswriter.com slash masterclass, and you can watch it instantly. Happy writing. See you next week.